might think of sin as inevitable, something dealt with through your repentance and God's forgiveness. But is it possible to live your life and not sin? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers this question as he continues his new series, Romans 8, the greatest chapter in the Bible. Learn to be free from the practice of sin as David concludes his message, A Revolutionary Freedom. And I want to thank you today for joining us as we are studying the greatest chapter in the Bible. Today, uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to talk about a revolutionary freedom. We started it yesterday. This is that passage you know from Romans. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Quote that passage at least a couple of times a month in my church just to remind people, when Jesus takes your sin away, he takes it away. And uh, we're going to finish up what we started yesterday as we talk about this revolutionary freedom. Let me tell you, there's a study guide for this series. In this study guide, I take you verse by verse through the greatest chapter in God's Word. Everything you need to know about the Christian walk, from the assurance of your salvation to the work of the Spirit, all of it found in this powerful text. So get ready to be challenged, transformed, and encouraged by the life-changing truth in the cohesive study of Romans chapter 8. There's a study guide for this. You can get that from our website. And there's a book that we want to send to you in response to your gift to Turning Point during the month of November. It's the Written Word Journal, a way for you to write the Scripture in your own handwriting. This journal is made just for that spiritual discipline. It's hardback, it's beautifully designed, and it's meant to be the beginning of a series. Lord willing, we live long enough, we're going to try to write the entire New Testament, and we want you to join us. And we'll provide all of the resource to do it, and we just ask that you send a gift to help us so we can send this beautiful journal to you, and you can get started. Once again, send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of November and ask for your copy of the Written Word Journal. Right now, it's time to get back to Romans 8. Let's finish up what we talked about yesterday, a revolutionary freedom. Here's a story by Rankin Wilborn who explains in his own terms what it means to be in Christ. He said, when I was in junior high school, I played football on an organized team for the first time, and my size gave our team a distinct advantage. You see, I was the smallest player on the field. I was so small, in fact, that when I had the ball, the opposing team couldn't see me. So in crucial situations, when we had to have the yards, our go-to play was called refrigerator right in honor of the Chicago Bears defensive lineman turned running back, William the Refrigerator Perry. You remember him. Coach Junior set Andrew, the biggest guy on our team, in front of me as a blocker. And the quarterback handed me the ball with Andrew leading the way. One man made a way for another. I was completely obscured by his strength and powerful work. But I was running to freedom. Everything that was supposed to hit me hit Andrew. He blazed a path for me against hostile forces. He made a way to glory. I was hidden in him. And the Bible says that those who belong to Christ are so intertwined with his life that when he died, we died with him. Everything that was supposed to hit us, even the judgment of God for our sins, instead hit Jesus. He blazed a path against hostile forces, seen and unseen. He made a way to glory. One man made a way for all to live. We are hidden in Christ. That's one picture of being in Christ. We're in the ark. We're following the Lord. I try not to read too many 
quotations from old writers because they talked funny. And sometimes you wonder, what are they saying? And even some of the words, have you noticed when you read old documents, some of the words are spelled wrong. They have extra, like they put an E on the end of a word. What is that? Where did it come from? You know, what's that? But if you're going to get some really wonderful truth, you have to dig a little deep once in a while. And I want to tell you what Martin Luther said about what we're saying today. He said, it is impossible for a man to be a Christian without having Christ. And if he has Christ, he has at the same time all that is in Christ. What gives peace to the conscience is that by faith, our sins are no more ours. But Christ, upon whom God has laid them, and that on the other hand, all of Christ's righteousness is ours, to whom God has given it. Christ lays his hand upon us, and we are healed. He casts his mantle over us, and we are clothed. For he is the glorious Savior, blessed forever. Faith unites the soul with Christ as a spouse with her husband. Everything which Christ has becomes the property of the believing soul. Everything which the soul has becomes the property of Christ. Christ possesses all blessings and eternal life. They are the property of the soul. The soul has all of its iniquities and sins, and they become thenceforth the property of Christ, who is both God and man. Christ who never sinned and whose holiness is perfect. Christ the Almighty and eternal, taking to himself by the ring of faith all the sins of the believer. Those sins are lost and abolished in him. For no sins dwell before his infinite righteousness. Thus, by faith, the believer's soul is delivered from sins and at the same time clothed with the eternal righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? Hallelujah. Listen to me. Some time ago, I told you this in a different way. Do you remember this? There are two books. This book is the book containing all of David Jeremiah's sins. I'm not going to tell you how many pages are in the book. This book is a book that contains all of the righteous characteristics of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Christ. When I became a Christian, God switched the covers. His righteousness came over my book that was filled with sin. My sin filled up his book that was filled with righteousness. The Bible says Christ became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. The Bible teaches you are free from the penalty of sin because you are in Christ. But here's the second thing. You are free from the power of sin. Notice what it says in verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, you don't have to be a real brilliant scholar to notice that in that verse there's two laws. There's the law of the spirit and there's the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit is kind of one of the main themes of Romans 8. Did you know that in the 8th chapter of Romans, the Holy Spirit's mentioned 20 times? That's pretty amazing. And 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Romans 8 is the chapter of freedom through the Spirit of God. And Romans chapter 8 tells us that when we have the Spirit of God in us, we now, for the first time in our whole human existence, we have something that can give us victory over 
the law of sin and death. The Spirit of God is the distinguishing mark of the Christian, and that means that sin can be defeated. Paul is saying that when the Holy Spirit comes into a person, that person is liberated from bondage to evil and finds a new power within, a power that causes the defeat of sin and leads the liberated person into ways of goodness and love. Let me just expound on that for a moment. Before you become a Christian, no matter how good you are, and you know there's a lot of people who are good who are not Christians, if goodness could get you to heaven, you might want to say, you know, they might have a shot. I don't know too many people like that, but I know a few. They're good, they're just not Christians. But the goodness that they have will not make it possible for them not to do bad. The Bible says all souls sin. There's not one who does not sin. No, not one. And we don't want to sin. I don't know too many people who go through their whole life wanting to sin. Most people that I know don't want to. They try to find some way not to do the things they know that are destructive to them and to the people around them. But they just don't have the power And so it gets a hold of them and it grips them. But when you become a Christian, what happens is God gives you the Holy Spirit. He comes to live within you. And while you don't always do the right thing, now you have the power to do the right thing. Now you have living within you the Holy Spirit who can lift you up above all of that and give you victory. And the more you submit to the Holy Spirit, the more you give him control of your life, the more victory you have over the things that once drug you down. There's the law of the Spirit. And then there's the law of sin and death. The law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. The reference to the law of sin and death is to the law of Moses. And the Bible tells us that in the Old Testament, the law of Moses was good, but it was ineffective. Well, you say, Pastor Jeremiah, how could the Ten Commandments, and there were many more commandments, there were hundreds of commandments beside the Ten, how could those not be effective? Well, it wasn't their fault. The Bible says the law is weak because of the weakness of the flesh. What does that mean? There's nothing wrong with the law. The problem is the standards are so high, nobody can keep the law. And the Bible says if you break one of the laws, you become guilty of all. You have to get 100% on the test or you fail. And no one can do that. That's the law of sin and death. Over and over in the Old Testament, they had to bring sacrifices as a picture of atonement. Thank God we're on the other side of the cross because the Bible says God put his son on the cross and he paid the penalty once for all so that all of our sins are atoned for, past, present, and future. We are forgiven. There is no condemnation to us who are in Christ Jesus. The law of sin and death keeps a Christian from living the kind of life he wants to live. So here's the deal. When you become a Christian, the law doesn't go away. Sin and death doesn't quit. I mean, until we get to heaven, they're always going to be present with us. And you heard me give this little poem. I try to give it as often as I can because I think it's profound. Two natures beat within my breast. The one is foul. The one is blessed. The one I love, the one I hate, the one I feed will dominate. <laughs> what nature are you feeding? Because you still have the old nature. So you say, how does the law of the Spirit overcome the law of sin and death in the believer? Here's how I understand that. If you stand beside a 747 on its runway and you look at the massive weight and size, I've often thought this, and I'm sure you have too, how in the world is that plane ever going to get off the ground? How is it ever going to break the force of gravity 
that's holding it to the ground. Well, when the power of its engine combines with the laws of aerodynamics, the plane is able to lift itself to 35,000 feet and fly 600 miles an hour. Gravity is still pulling on the plane. But as long as it obeys the laws of aerodynamics, it can break free from the bonds of earth. How many of you know that when you become a Christian, there's an awful lot of pull on your life not to live the Christian life? But when you put the law of the Spirit to work in your life, he's like the aerodynamic lift that takes you away from the law of gravity that wants to pull you down. So when you become a Christian, now you not only have freedom from the penalty of sin, you have freedom from the power of sin because the Holy Spirit's come to live within your heart. Hallelujah. And then you have freedom from the punishment of sin. Notice verse 3. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did it by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh. The Bible says that you can never again be condemned for your sin. The Fifth Amendment of our Constitution says, no person shall be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb for the same offense. Once you've been found innocent, you cannot be tried for that same crime again. In verse 3, Paul is saying something like that to us. You cannot be condemned because Christ has already suffered that condemnation for you on the cross. The law of double jeopardy states that a person cannot be tried twice for the same crime. Since Jesus paid the penalty for your sins, and since you're in Christ, you have been declared innocent, and God will never condemn you. You are free. No, don't tell me all the stuff you're still doing that you shouldn't do. You need to yield your life to the Holy Spirit and rise above it, but in the midst of it all, you are not condemned. You're not going to stand before God someday and have to give an answer for your sin because all of your sin has been condemned at the cross and you have been completely forgiven. And some of you will say to me, as I've heard so often, but Dr. Jeremiah, I get that. Up until the time I was saved, all my sins were covered at the cross. But once I got saved, now I'm kind of responsible to carry this kind of life out, right? No. And here's the answer to that. How many of your sins were future when Christ died for them? All of them were. Christ doesn't see any distinguishing marks in your life. He doesn't say past sins, present sins, future sins. All of those were future sins when he died on the cross. And the Bible says he condemned them all. He paid for them all. He forgave you from them all. So when you sin and you do something you shouldn't do, you don't have to go to Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness so you won't be condemned. You go and ask for forgiveness so your relationship can be restored, so you can be friends again and fellowship again. But through all of that time, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You're free from the penalty of sin and the power of it and the punishment of it. Number four, you're actually free from the practice of sin. Did you know you can live your life and not practice sin? Verse four says that the righteous requirement of the law might be filled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Paul says, while we can't keep the law in our own strength, when the Holy Spirit comes, the righteousness of the law can be experienced by us who walk by the spirit. When the Holy Spirit is in control of your life, your righteousness is like the righteousness of the Old Testament law, only empowered by the Spirit of God. God's commands now have become something you can do. 
In the full sense, only Christ has fulfilled all of the law's requirements. But when you're in Christ, you can fulfill the law's requirements in him. Before we came to know Christ, we were continually defeated by sin. When we came to know Christ, we received the indwelling Holy Spirit and were able to attain a standard we could never reach in our own strength. Listen to me. When you become a Christian, if you look back over your life after a few months, you should see a different person than the person you were when you became a Christian. Someone gave me this little poetry that helps you understand what I've been trying to say. Here's what it says. To run and work, the law commands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. (laughs) Grace is not simply leniency when you have sinned. Grace is the power of God in you not to sin. So there you have it. The four things that are true of you, if you're a Christian, you are free from the penalty of sin. You are free from the power of sin. You are free from the punishment of sin. You are free from the practice of sin. Let me add this. When you get to heaven someday, you'll be free from the actual presence of sin. What a thing that is to look forward to. So, Before we close our Bibles in these next few moments, just let me give you two takeaways from this that you should apply to your life. Number one, start living forgiven. The Bible says no condemnation. Others, even our own self-talk, often say condemnation. Who are you going to believe? Are you not condemned or are you? Is there now no condemnation or is that not true? In the explicit gospel, Pastor Matt Chandler tells the story of driving through his hometown many years after he had left. He paused as he passed a field where he once got into a fistfight with another kid. It was not a fair fight, and Matthew completely humiliated the kid in front of a large crowd of people. Then he drove past his first house and thought of all the wicked things he had done in that house. Next, he passed a friend's house where once at a party, he did some of the most shameful things he had ever done. Afterward, on the drive to a conference in which he was speaking, Matt was overwhelmed with the guilt and shame of the wickedness that he had done in that city before he became a Christian. He could hear the whispers in his heart, you call yourself a man of God? Are you going to stand in front of all these guys and tell them how to be men of God after all you've done? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Matt said, in the middle of all that guilt and shame, I began to be reminded by the scripture that old Matt Chandler was dead. I was the new Matt Chandler. The person who did those things, who sinned in those ways, was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. And all of his sins, past, present, and future, were paid for in full on the cross of Jesus Christ. I remember as a kid learning this verse in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Why is that important? The Bible says that the old you has been crucified. Why? Because you're in Christ. Christ was crucified. You were in Christ when he was crucified. Your old you is dead. It is dead. And there's a new you 
and uncondemned you. Start living like you're forgiven. Live in every day like you're forgiven, because you are. You don't have anything to remember except one thing. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Second takeaway, start living forgiven and start living free. One day, Abraham Lincoln went to visit a slave auction. He was appalled at what he saw. His heart was especially drawn to a young slave girl whose story seemed to be told in the pain of her face. She looked with hatred and contempt on everyone around her. She had been used and abused all of her life, and this was but one more cruel humiliation for her. As the auction began, Lincoln offered his bid. As other amounts were bid, he countered with a larger amount until finally Abraham Lincoln won the bid for that girl, and he now owned her as his slave. When he paid the auctioneer the money and took title to the young woman, she stared at him with vicious contempt. She hated him like she had hated all of her other owners. She asked him what he was going to do next with her, and he said, I'm going to set you free. Free, she asked. Free for what? Just free, said Lincoln, completely free. Free to do whatever I want to do? Free to do whatever you want to do. Free to say whatever I want to say? Free to say whatever you want to say. Free to go wherever I want to go? Yes, free to go wherever you want to go. She said, then I'm going with you. (laughs) And that's the way it is when we're in Christ. When we're set free, it's not just to go do other things. We're set free to walk after the one who set us free. We're set free to serve him and love him. That's the way it is. He sets us free to go anywhere we want to go, say anything we want to say, do anything we want to do. But because we have come to know him as the great freedom giver, we want to be where he is. We want to follow him. So we serve Jesus Christ not out of duty or responsibility, but out of love for the one who has set us free. Hallelujah. Today, if you hear my voice, please know If you're a Christian, there's no condemnation. Now or ever, because the condemnation's already taken place. And the result of that is you are forgiven and you are free. And John 8.36 says this, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Say this with me, I am free indeed. I am free indeed. And you are. Amen. Amen. You know, that's what a lot of people live their whole lives seeking to find. They try to find freedom, and they look in all the wrong places. The Bible says um, Jesus has come to give us freedom. And when you have his freedom, you are truly free. Free from your sin, free from guilt, free from the anxiety that goes with being caught, (laughs) free from just about everything that burdens your heart. When you find Jesus Christ, he comes to free you up. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the spirit and the flesh. And it's all about this war that goes on inside of us between the old nature and the new nature. A lot of people are surprised to discover that when they become Christians, the old nature doesn't go away. It stays. The good news is you get a new nature that has every opportunity to triumph over the old nature. A lot has to do with how you treat both natures, and we'll talk about that tomorrow and on Friday. 
Don't forget you can get your copy of the Romans Written Word Journal by sending a gift to Turning Point of any size during the month of November. This is a book like you've never seen before. It's prepared with every verse marked for the entire book of Romans, every verse and a place for you to fill in the blanks. Just do four or five verses a day. When you get done, you will have written in your own handwriting the entire book of Romans. And uh, if you know anything at all about the power of the written word, you will know that Romans will be more real to you when you do that than it's ever been before. I'm not saying you're going to understand every word. I am saying you cannot write out in your own handwriting the book of Romans and not be blessed and not know more about Romans than you ever thought you would. Send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of November and ask for your copy of the Written Word Journal. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good day. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If Turning Point is making a difference in your life, let us know. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Romans, the written word journal, designed by David to help you know God's word more deeply. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions available in your choice of handsome cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Romans 8 here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Are you looking for an effective tool for studying the scriptures? Dr. David Jeremiah has created an incredible new resource to help you do just that. The Bible tells us again and again to write down God's Word, and it's a practice that has personally transformed my study of scripture. That is why I have created the first, the Written Word Journal, so that you can join me in this powerful practice. I promise you, as you follow God's command to copy Scripture by hand, your study of God's Word will be stronger than ever. Here's more. This journal helps you create your own copy of Paul's letter to the Romans. On one side, you'll write selections from Romans word for word. On the other side, you'll record your thoughts, reflections, and prayers. When you donate any amount to support Turning Point, the written word journal is yours. If you give $60 or more, you'll receive the Romans 8 set, including this teaching series on CD or DVD and study guide. Order the book or the complete set at davidjeremiah.ca. When King David of old said that our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope, his words were part of a prayer of thanks for the money raised to build the first temple in Jerusalem. 
But why go to the trouble to build a beautiful, expensive temple if our life on earth is just a shadow? In the previous sentence, David said that all things come from God, meaning that apart from God, our lives are as meaningless as a shadow. But with God, we have a reason to build for His glory and His kingdom. In Him, there is true hope. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God defines life on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today.